Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast powered by the Riot Report. My name is Josh Klein. I am managing editor of said Riot Report. And today we've got a special treat for you. Not a coach, not a player, but the owner of the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, took some time out yesterday to speak to the media about um, the release of Cam Newton, Marty Herney's contract, the social justice initiatives that his team is putting together. Uh, Just a whole array of topics. I think it's about 30 minutes long of David Tepper talking, answering questions. So uh, I hope that you enjoy it. And uh, if you do like it is what it is, you like hearing from your favorite players, you like hearing from your favorite coaches, be sure to leave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That's the easiest way for you to uh, keep this thing free and uh, keep this thing coming. You know, the more the more people that listen to it, the more downloads we have, the more uh, the more successful we can be, the more we can post, the more exclusives we can get. It just, it all starts building on each other. So I encourage you to leave us a five-star review. Go listen to Quick Blitz. Go listen to One Day Contract. Go listen to the Roaring Riot podcast. Go listen to it uh, out of the black and blue. All kinds of the Riot Network podcasts that you should go and listen to. But right now, here is David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, on It Is What It Is. David, thanks for doing this. Uh, we haven't seen you in a while, so we've uh, got a lot to ask you about, but I would like to ask you uh, sort of two things. One, about the social justice initiatives, and two, about uh, removing Jerry Richardson's statue and the reasons for that. Um, well, Jer- you know, Jerry Richardson's statue, as we said, it was a safety reason at the time. Um, if you remember the uh, um, the environment, um, every statue um, in the country was coming under attack. So it just made sense from all standpoints to move that statue. And it, uh, you know, we made a fast decision. It was a right decision, and that's you know that was why it was done. Um, as far as um, Social justice initiatives. In what respect are you asking that? Just in terms of uh, you've you've been active on this. Your players have been active on this. But what your priorities are right now? Well, I think from a club standpoint, um, you know, we have a voting um, a voting initiative that we're trying to do. Um, but you know, I think you know, I think uh, you know, I met with the players. Um, some of my priorities also having an understanding and a continued communication with them um, about what we're going to uh, um, do, um, you know, and I have to, you know, I want to, it's not just me, it's them and how we, the Panthers organization does think totally. This is just a continued dialogue. Um, Look from, uh, here, I'll give you something, Scott. This will make Trump cry, but um, from um, you know my perspective, um, one thing we tried to do at the Panthers, and we'll try to do harder, is just you know, um, you know, diversity of our workforce. I think we've done a fairly good job at the upper management level. We've done an okay job at you know through the corporation. Um, 
you know, I think in football and NFL teams in general, I think every NFL team has to look at their team. And on the business side, and you guys always concentrate on the football side, but business is big. Football is a small microcosm. Football, business is big. And I think we got to lead in business in this regard. So I hope, you know, you guys should, you know, ask me. And quite frankly, you know, I talked to Goodell about this. Ask the NFL about it, too. You know, I think this is one thing we really should be leading as, as owners and in, in the NFL. Um, but as far as the Panthers themselves, this is a collaborative thing uh, that, you know, my, my view is that, uh, you know, we'll do with them. And, I, you know, I do my own thing also. We've been involved with the Bill Project and other things in the past. It's nothing. This is not a, um, you know, Johnny come lately thing for me. So I don't know if that answers. That's good. Thank you. Um, let's go Elena, then Katie. Hi, Dave. Hope you're doing well. It's been a while. Elena Getzenberg from the Charlotte Observer. Um, I was wondering with the delay in the Rock Hill development, if you could just give any update that you have on Rock Hill and with the change there, what is your position on potentially having training camps at Wofford in 2022? Um, well, Rock Hill, I mean, we, if you go down there, there's definitely work being done there. You know, COVID has delayed everything. Um, you know, I think, you know, we'll probably, you know, three seasons out, we'll hopefully we'll have trading camp, you know, down there. Um, listen, as far as, uh, you know, Wofford, I really can't say it's a really a COVID question, you know, and it's, you know, it's a COVID question. It's also a question of what we've done here and how much, you know, we really have done a lot of things inside the stadium. You guys are aware of some of them, you know, every player had a suite up here. Um, you know, I think there was a recognition of what we could do up here and how it was done up here. But, um, you know, we haven't made any decision. Um, certainly COVID plays a lot in that. And if we're allowed to even, so. Go ahead, Katie. Katie. Hey, Dave, how are you? All right. Good. Thank you so much for having us. Um, so I had a couple of questions for you um, related to COVID and unrelated to COVID. Uh, first of all, can you share at this point how many PSL owners have opted out of their tickets for the 2020 season thus far? Um, and my second question is, have the Panthers been in continued talks with the uh, Charlotte Pipe and Foundry ownership group? Oh, I'll answer the second one. I like to answer the second ones first. Um, We've had no recent conversations with them, okay, certainly since COVID has, you know, started. Um, I don't, I, I more or less know the numbers. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's probably a little bit more than, I, Steve may know these numbers, maybe a little bit more than 50% or something like that, but we have a pretty good contingent that, you know, wanted to be in, in the stance. Okay, I think that's more or less right. So, but don't, you know, hold me to those numbers, okay? Miles, Mr. Shepper, uh, Miles Simmons uh, for Panthers.com. Uh, wondering about your expectations for the season, uh, particularly in this era of COVID. Um, how do you feel like Matt Rule has done as a first-year head coach, and what do you feel like this team should be able to accomplish this year? Um, listen, Matt is a um, disciplined, process-oriented guy analytical discipline process oriented guy. Um, I think we had really early planning for COVID. 
um, really early, you know, we kind of realized what was going on and we made a lot of contingencies as the year was going on. And that was, you know, you know, had a lot of different contingencies. So I think from a, you know, planning standpoint, um, you know, Matt has been as strong as anybody possibly could be. It's, you know, some disadvantages that we would have had otherwise as a first year coach, he would have had another week of training camp than any, you know, first year coaches get that kind of advantage. We did not have that kind of advantage this year. So it's a little bit um, in that respect versus other years of first year coaches, a little bit behind the eight ball. But, you know, I have, I think Matt's been doing a great job. He's a great evaluator, a great motivator. And, um, you know, one thing you guys haven't really um, uh, written up so much is he's, uh, you know, he has a master's degree in educational psychology. It doesn't hurt that degree in how you deal with people and how you deal with people, particularly in this year. So I know it's not something you think about football, football coaches potentially being smart away from football or having a master's degree even, but this, this coach does. Um, let's go to Steve Harrison. Uh, hey, David, thank you. Steve Harrison with WFAE. Um, has the organization had any more conversations with, Cooper's administration about getting people in the stands. Um, I know, you know, yesterday they increased the limit, 50 people outdoors. But if you guys, do you guys have any any hope that there'll be some special exceptions made for the team, like exceptions were made for the Republican National Convention to have more people than the rules allow? Um, you know, we're, we, you know, we have had some uh, conversations with government today or, you know, maybe not direct, but, in, you know, indirect conversations. Um, uh, so we hope to have continued conversations. Listen, I understand uh, Cooper has a difficult job with this COVID um, uh, from, you know, an optics standpoint and a science standpoint. Um, we started developing a plan in March based on science. Uh, we spent a lot of time in it. You know, as, as we put out, we had infectious disease experts in the plan. You know, computer simulations, the whole bit. You know, try to be as safe as we can be. We do think we can do this. We don't think we can do it as full stadium, obviously, but we think that, uh, you know, with limited fans, we can do limited fans very safely in the stadium, um, you know, based on pure science. And, um, um and I hope, you know, we, we also noticed that every, the, our competitors in the South um, division, all those states have given approval. Now they're not playing games, their first game either. So that's good. But they do, they do, I do think they're going to be playing their third game and fourth game and fifth game, et cetera, et cetera, in front of fans. Uh, I think New Orleans, Louisiana, Georgia, um, Louisiana, Georgia, and Florida, they all have approval. And I expect that those teams will be having fans through the year. We're, you know, we're hopeful that when we get into October, um, we'll be talking with the governor and uh, we'll have, you know, we'll have fans too. The only teams that seem not to have given away the whole season, at least places are California and New York, maybe Washington, D.C. Kind of hope North Carolina is not like California and New York, but maybe we are. I don't know. Um, in some respects, I don't think we are. But, um, um, I mean, I'm hopeful we'll have continued conversations. Science will prevail. And uh, 
we'll have fans. I'm also a little disappointed at the number, you know, 2550 um, for, you know, for our players and coaches and, and such for our first year players and, you know, play their first game and some of the coaches, I mean, we can't have these, their moms and their, their wives at the stadium. Um, that's just kind of sad. But I guess this is, you know, there's a lot of sad things in COVID. But uh, again, you know, listen, I hope we can have continued uh, conversation and dialogue with them. Will Kunkel. Hey, Dave. Thanks for doing this, man. Will Kunkel, Fox 46 Sports. Um, just to kind of piggyback off of that, have you talked to Roger Goodell about competitive balance with fans and where do you stand on that, um, whether it's fair or unfair, that you'll be playing in front of other people's fans but not yours? Um, listen, I think, the, the, you know, it's just w- what it is. And we'll, um, we'll do our best. I think, you know, the, the coach will do his best to compensate for that. Uh, listen, it is, it is not an advantage not to have fans. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, I, you know, I particularly like fans at games. I mean, I do. Anybody who's seen me at the games knows that. Um, so, um, you know, I think the league has determined that the teams that can't have fans will have fans, and the teams that can't have fans can't have fans. And it's just, listen, it's just a question of how, you know, the different regions are, I guess, and what they view and how the different governors are and such, and maybe how much they like football or not. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Mike Salarte. Thanks, John. Hey, Mr. Tepper, good to see you again. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of the fans in the building aspect of it. Obviously, even at reduced capacity, your franchise takes takes a financial hit and not having full capacity. But the question is for, that I have is what safeguards or what help is in place from the league to help franchises get through without having minimal capacity, no capacity? I mean, the, the league's going to be taking a hit all across the board even by having partial fans in the building. No doubt. And listen, I mean, there's, you know, the TV, listen, there's, there's red ink's going to flow. Okay. There's no doubt about it. At least it'll flow down here without, you know, um, even if we have partial fans, we're going to, you know, it's hard not to have red ink. You know, what we're, you know, thinking if you get the, you know, the Miami 13,000, for instance, just to match at one stadium. Um, the league is not, doing anything specific. Um, they have made more lines of credit available for those who need it. Um, that's about it. Um, I, you know, you know that, um, you know, in the negotiations, I mean, we already, when we had the negotiations, I think there was reported that there was a, a bottom of the salary cap that has no, that's not good for us. That's good for the players, you know, but, um, no, they, they really, the support has been basically more credit lines available, I think. Josh Klein. Hey Dave, uh, Josh Klein from the Riot Report. Thanks, thanks again for taking the time. Um, I don't think that we've spoken to you since the MLS announcement came that Charlotte FC would be delayed by a year. Just your feelings on how disappointing that is, and whether or not you did feel like the timeline was going to be okay had COVID not happened to get to 2021. Yeah, we did. I mean, listen, when COVID came, the, you know, just building things became really tough. Couldn't get delivery of things. So, you know, we have to make certain changes for soccer. That alone was tough. Uh, for me, like I said, I, <laughs> listen, my, you know, my head someplace, uh, you know, to go and march, march with a big group of fans into the stadium and then be jumping up and down for a game. 
which I can explicitly, you know, I can still jump up and down. But jumping up and down for a game was how I wanted that to, to begin. And that became impossible or it became highly unlikely in, uh, you know, March when we started our season. So for a lot of different reasons, I think the league uh, and us determined together that it probably was better that we, you know, we, um, we delay for the next year. But I do think if COVID didn't come, we would have been ready. Hey, Sean. Good afternoon. And, oh, I'm sorry, some feedback here. Thanks for having me. I still want to ask, you mentioned you had a conversation with Roger Goodell about what more owners can be doing. Can you outline anything specific that you feel owners can do to step up in a larger array for players regarding social justice efforts? Um, well, the discussion I did have was just talking about was a little bit away from social justice and was more about diversity in the workplace and more representation of uh, women and the people of color in our organizations. Um, so that's, you know, I think that that was the discussion I had, um, you know, with him. And, uh, I, you know, as I said, I think he's he he also believes that and I think they're starting to make some changes to the NFL, which you can talk to him about. Um, I did not have um, you know social justice conversations with him, you know, at this point. Um, probably the last time I talked, you know, except for what we had in general, um, at, at, you know, at league meetings. If I had any individual comments or conversations, it was just. Um, I don't, if you want to call this social justice, um, you know, it was when we um, brought Reed in, Eric Reed in. Joey. Hey, Dave. Uh, two questions. A follow up, first of all, to the Richardson statue question. You had mentioned that being uh, the right decision at the time and for the, the climate that was that was pervasive back in June, would you have any intention of, of bringing the statue back once things were to calm down? And then secondly, if you could address your decision to uh, make the furloughs and the layoffs you did uh, a week or two ago, please. Um, as far as the statue is concerned, I don't think things will ever be quieted down. Okay, you're you're that's that's that. I don't I don't believe in it, nor should they. Okay, in some respects. Um, as far as uh, different furloughs and such, um, listen, we're you know we um, we came in here, we didn't make a lot of changes, so some, there were different two different levels. Some of those things were changes that needed to be done for a while. And some of those are just responding to the current environment of, of limited fans. And um, listen, it's very difficult times. And, you know, you know, we'll have to see what, what comes. Um, I doubt that we'll have full fans this season. Um, and uh, listen, it's difficult decisions. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's decisions that keep me up and still keep me up. Okay, but the question is what's right for the organization and what's right for the individual um, in the long term. That's what you have to think about when you're running an organization. And I don't take any, I don't take uh, one person um, lightly. 
Okay? Do not think I do. Okay, I don't. Jonathan Jones. Hey, Dave. Um, on that topic to follow up, what sort of financial losses have you all suffered through these six months? I guess maybe a percent loss through this point in the season, understanding greater losses are sure to come as, as games are played without fans. And then just I, I, not to belabor the point, but you and the layoffs and the furloughs during this um, quarantine have far outstripped your NFL owner peers. And I'm just I'm curious, you're not the only one among the owners who has who has suffered losses here. How do you sort of justify almost doubling the, the next closest uh, NFL owner in terms of layoffs and furloughs? You know, you're, you're making a mistake when you talk that way, okay? And you didn't listen to my previous answer. I, I decide on these decisions based on what's good for the organization, what's good for the individual. It's not good to have an individual sit there idle for a year or a year and a half or two years with nothing to do inside an organization. Okay. They may think it, you know, that's not good for a person. So, and it's not, it's not an easy decision. Okay. But it's the right decision, I think. Um, so you're basing this purely on a financial, um, question. This is a human question and every individual is an individual. So, and, you know, so I'm, I don't know how to answer except for that. Okay. It is not, I, I do believe that. Okay. What's good, you know, it's not like these things were made lightly. Do you, you think this is like a, a pure dollar and cents to answer? Okay. It was not. And sometimes, you know, difficult decisions, it doesn't mean, you know, hard, difficult decisions sometimes are still the right decision. It may not seem the right decision for everybody involved at the time, but they're still the right decision. Brett Jensen. Hi, Dave. Brett Jensen with WBT. Um, I'm curious to go off of what Katie had asked you earlier about the stadium in Charlotte Pipe and Foundry. Um, if that land were to become yours, are you looking to build a new stadium or renovate the stadium? Because I've heard things from both sides that you just want to renovate, maybe put a roof on what's currently there and renovate this existing stadium. And other people believe that you're, you actually want to build a new stadium. And the other thing is, in terms of, uh, I guess it was last year, late last year, you talked about hiring a, uh, I believe it was a VP of football operations to assist Marty Herney. How is that? Has that happened, or how, how is that coming along? Um, look, with the stadium, with this COVID, you know, it's pushed everything, you know, back, or all decisions back. You know, open air stadiums and beautiful with beautiful weather seem a lot better to me, to me today than they did uh, last year. To tell you the truth, um, and your second uh, question, um, you know, we we have um, um, uh, we we have with uh, Matt uh, when Matt Rowe came in, we brought in Sean Patton, um, and he's done a lot, you know, as far as inside um, um, operations, so freeing Marty Herney to do more for evaluating players. So there's, you know, Marty Herney has two different roles. One is a you know you you focus on the evaluating players, and the other is is running you know a lot of different operations inside the building. Um, so Sean's uh, come in and done a lot of that, and it's kind of relieved the need uh, to do that second thing at this point in time. Ashley Mahoney. Yeah, thank you, 
David, for taking time to chat with us today. Ashley Mahoney with the Charlotte Post. In addition to what uh, Josh touched on earlier about the overall delay with MLS, it's still this process of continuing to build towards that 2022 inaugural season. Where is the organization in the development and what are the financial ramifications of having to wait an additional year for that season? Um. Well, the financial ramifications are we don't get started this early. And so everything's pushed back a year and any revenue that many come in, came in for that would be pushed back a year. Um, listen, if we weren't having fans, that would have been a, that could have been a positive, right? Depending how that goes. Um, as far as development is concerned, listen, it gives us a little bit more time as far as the sporting side, as they say, uh, to make sure that sporting side is good. And, if I was more concerned about one thing, somebody asked me the question, would, we, would, have we, would have we been ready? The answer I said was yes. Do I appreciate having another, another year to get that sporting side right? You bet your butt I do. Um, Bill both. Hey Dave, um, it's been a while since we did this. I think it was February. A month after that, um, the team released Cam Newton. Um, can you, in, in your words, because we've heard a little bit from Matt Rule and from Marty about the decision, and so what, in your mind, went into that decision, and and what's what's happened the month since as far as the fallout and 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 the addition? I didn't know so many people in Charlotte knew a word that began with F. I would say that, but that's interesting. Or Carolina. But um, anyway, listen, with Cam, um, just in general, um, this was a very difficult decision. Um, you know, I think um, Nicole was crying about the decision. Um, you know, we were, uh, you know, we really respected Cam. We, you know, and we still still do, obviously. Um, and, um, and I wish him the best possible. Um, up in New England, um, you know the 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 problem with COVID um, and such, and not knowing what was going on made it a very difficult put us in a very difficult position um, at his salary, quite frankly. Um, and that's you know that we made the best possible decision we could given the circumstances. And as I said, you know have great respect for Tam and the best up in New England. Um, we got time for three more. We're going to go Jenkins. Um, so. Hey, it's Chris Jenkins with Charlotte Vibe. Just two-part question, if I can. Am I live? I think my screen messed up. Am I here? I hear you. I don't see you, but. I <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with fans not being in the stadium this year, or, or so far starting out, do you have a message for them? And the second question is, can you discuss your impressions and thoughts of Coach Rule and what he's done with this team up until this point? Um, listen, I miss the fans. That's what it's about. It's about winning in the fans. I mean, I really like the fans. Like I said, I like the fans in the building. Um, I like going out amongst the fans sometimes, as people probably have seen me out there sometimes. Um, and they are an undeniable edge for us. We said it. They are. It's hard not to have fans in the building, especially going to be hard not to have fans in the building if all our 
you know, all our um, division rivals have fans in their buildings. We hope that we will have it and not have that competitive disadvantage. Um, as far as Coach Rolls, I, you know, you asked somebody asked me before. I, I couldn't be more pleased with Coach Roll. Um, I, you know, I come from you know a place where you have process. You know, this is my you know my world, discipline process world, and you know, Coach Rolls discipline process. He all, but he also has that old hard-nosed sort of a Pittsburgh deal. He's not from Pittsburgh, but he's from Pennsylvania, not too far away. So, you know, um, you know, I think uh, I appreciate all that about him. And I think he has a great way about him, a great communicator. He's a good speaker with you all, but he's also a great communicator with his players. And I really appreciate that. To our table, we'll close with Quad. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, I guess a question that hasn't been asked in this session is, how are you holding up? Because you seem like you're fighting through a lot of emotions and, and frustrations right now, and that is that is not typical Dave Tepper, at least that we've seen since your arrival. In what respect? Well, the, the smile that you're you're fighting right now hasn't been around as often as it as it has been in the past. Well, listen, who you know, listen, this is COVID, right? who's smiling as much during COVID as they did without COVID. It's a very difficult situation. Um, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm, you know, you know, been up north a little bit more. You know, I, it, when I was coming down there, I had to get tested four times to come in the building. That's, you know, difficult. Now I have to get tested two times, you know, to actually see the football side, I should say. Um, so it's, you know, it's difficult, but we're all dealing with things. And, you know, and, and this won't last. It will be over at some point in time. Um, but um, look, I, like I said, I think <laughs> I don't love people mention the financial ramification. I don't love all the red ink that we're going to see this year, but I hate more not seeing the fans in the building. Okay. That's, you know, you know, this is not, I have other means, okay, of income. I do have other businesses. I do this for the fans and for football. Okay. That's what I do it for. And, um, you know, not having fans is very, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have fans. Hopefully we'll have some kind of agreement with the governor. Not having fans is something that I'm, you know, I don't really like. <laughs> you know, they, they make a difference and they make a difference to me. So, um, you know, I hope we have fans. That'll make me happier. You'll get a smile back when we do, if we do. Um, and listen, if we win, you'll get a smile again. Um, it's, you know what it is from a football perspective, you know, we, you know, and I, listen, I don't, I'm not making excuses. We have no, there's no excuses. We're going to, we're going to do fine. Okay. You know, with what we, you know, in this year, and I think coach Roll will do a great job, but we have had more disadvantages for first year coach. And I hope that we won't have other disadvantages going forward. Okay. Cause that's why I'm here. Okay. <laughs> this is for me, you know, it's not, I, I, I really try to do the right thing if I can do it. It's not always easy, right? And I do this for the fun of it, right, to a certain extent. And just like you, I'm a fan, okay? Uh, you, I think that's pretty apparent if you've seen me at games or you've seen me around. I love the sport, and I love going there, and I love the fans. So they don't love me all the time, but I love them. <laughs> there you go. Um, Josh, before we go to you, Elena had um, oh, one more. 
you. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Dave, with Marty's contract, where are you with that? And would you anticipate, yeah, where are you with his contract situation? Um, you know, we have, con- I have constant conversations with Marty and, uh, you know, that it hasn't come up. And, you know, some, there's been too many, uh, too much to do, okay, to have those conversations. That'll, that'll be a conversation. You should ask me that question later on. I think me and Marty and I are very concentrated on doing as much as we can and obviously coach role, you know, in getting this football team in shape and making sure we do get the, the keep the players safe and healthy and starting the season. And that's all we care about right now. Josh, Um, to that end about Marty, there's been a, a, a ton of roster turnover. Curious your thoughts on how you think he's handled this huge change Uh, on the roster and on the Panthers. And then um, in terms of how much you weigh in on football decisions, uh, did they, did you get to speak to Marty and coach rule about Teddy Bridgewater before he was signed and and how much input did you have on that decision? Um, Yeah, I I, I, uh, just picked him before he was signed. Um, You know, I listen, they are the guys, they are the experts. Okay. And um, unless something's really, really crazy, which I, there really hasn't been anything really crazy, I'm not going to, you know, get that involved with it. Or if there's something that will affect, you know, um, the franchise, you know, financially in some fashion or, you know, something else, you know. Um, they are the guys that are running the football team. And I'll talk to them all the time. I'm more, when I have discussions with them at all, it's more process you know, and, and how we're doing things in general versus individual players. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's more how you're, how the business is being managed and how we can all have the team be better managed, you know, or how, what we're doing now or what we're not doing. So, for instance, a conversation might be with Marty. Okay, if you can't go to games, it's a time to try to figure out what we're doing different on the scouting side. As if the NFL has done things for a million years, should we be doing something different? If you have to do these Zoom calls, with, uh, co- you know, with um, with these college coaches, should you be doing this that state time in the future? When should you go? Who should go? What should be? If the world changes, the world should change in this sport too. Let the process questions, you you know, you understand what I'm saying? How do we have the best, how can we become the best possible? I'm not going to be a person that's going to evaluate talent or I'm not, they're out there coaching. It's not my job. Does that make sense to you? 